Hello and welcome to another episode of 66 Deep. In this episode we are going to be delving into the snare of the social gospel. And I must apologise ahead of time for the poor audio on my side. Um, I'd realised that after the recording I'd actually had been recording off the microphone on the webcam. So yeah, the, the audio on my side is awful but you should be able to at least gather a lot of information from both Brambia and Andre who are on this episode. So without any further ado, let's hop straight into this one. Yeah, we're just going through um, the like the introductory questions we have and trying to uh, try and guess where this conversation might be leading into. Um, yeah. So I'm assuming because of the fact that he's talking about the social gospel that we're talking about um, like social justice and things like that. Uh, and if I am correct, then obviously more recently we have. Especially over the last three years, seeing how that's come to fruition in things like the, the George Floyd incident um, and the little things that are followed on directly behind that. I was saying earlier that it's, it's not a it's not a 21st century concept or like this sort of uh, framework isn't new. It's actually something that's been around for quite some time, but it just takes different forms and I guess this one um, is far more prevalent because it's tied in with the church now. Um, we've certainly seen that in America, um, probably not so much here in the UK, but I would probably argue that it's been sitting in the UK for a lot longer and it's only since, say, like the George Floyd things and stuff like that, that we've actually seen that it's been sitting in the, the corners for, for quite some time. So I'm hoping that from here is done in that direction if he's not i apologize because <laughs> yeah I, I thought it was going in that direction too so I, i'm not prepared for anything else i don't know what was, if, if it goes a different direction i don't know what to do i'm just yeah, gonna uh, I'll be completely utterly flawed i'll be like sorry guys okay one sec we're just gonna redo the, the live stream i'm gonna change the text and we'll start again <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean yeah I, th I think that is what it is though to be fair so um, I mean, I'm not too caught up on what like the social gospel is, but I, I think I have an idea of what it is. Like, is it just kind of like leftist kind of left wing politics and stuff in the church? And that is, is it kind of like that? Or it's, I think it does have um, some elements of that in it. I think it was once I saw um, the the videos dropped in. I was just like, oh, okay. There's some buzzwords that I know about, so like. Cultural Marxism is the one that popped up. I thought, okay, I certainly have an understanding of Marxism. Cultural Marxism is something new, but it's not alien in the sense you need to start from the ground up again. It's mm. um, it's essentially grouping a lot of things in. So, uh, ethnic minorities, LGBTQ community, um, all sorts of other communities that you would deem to be either oppressed or um, under a um, rather restrictive regime and they're not benefiting enough from things going on and then 
obviously the Marxism stuff is case of disassembling everybody who is the oppressor and giving all the stuff to the oppressed and that sort of thing. Mm. How that sort of operated within the last um Ooh. I'm gonna take a ball part. I think it's probably been around about two hundred or so years. Um it's uh, going back as far as I want to say the guy's name is Karl Marx. And yeah. He's, um, he had uh, the ide- ideology kind of gave from him. He had some friction between himself and the bourgeois, I believe the name is. Yeah, bourgeoisie or something like that, yeah. It's been two years since he looked into this properly. But essentially, yeah. like, he came from being like kind of like a lazy bum, not really wanting to work anything like that, but it's just that you know what, I don't like the fact that the bourgeois have all these things, so we're trying all sorts of different things in that time period when I think it was around the Industrial Revolution, you might be wrong, um, where he's trying to um, um, he's trying to upset the way that things were going in that sort of capitalist sort of thing. So he said, Oh no, I don't like capitalism, but I want to gain capital himself wealthy but then he didn't the ways the means that he wanted to do was to try and disassemble um everything the bourgeois were doing all the time. i've heard a lot of this stuff i think from like yeah, when yeah. i was at university and that there was a lot of people who were into this type of stuff and you just yeah, 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 yeah. hear it all it's, the time but the framework has, hasn't um the framework itself hasn't changed but the the way that he's been portrayed and the language being used um, has differentiated depending on the, the, the century that he's emerged in. Um, yeah, a lot of this stuff is like, um, yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of this stuff, I think more from like the politics side, not from like the religious side before. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting to see how like people tackle it from like the, because I, I, honestly, I kind of like gave up on politics a while ago. So, I, you know, yeah, I don't even think it was in there really to begin with. <laughs> yeah, um, the, see, with how it's with the way that it's worked in the church, it hasn't been a sense where like all the way I could describe it is obviously we understand that um, we have our own gospel from scripture that we operate everything off of. Or when, um, so like in America, so with the George Floyd thing, obviously had this thing about white supremacists. So it began dividing people into saying, oh, okay, um, obviously, typically, you know, the racism, I think, is just many levels and culture that's generally just set us apart depending on locality. Yeah. In, um, with, the, with the culture of Marxism sort of thing, it's like, no, we're going to break up into categories and then, um, Say that these people, and these people in this group, are. Uh, oh, you need headphones, Dad. These people in this group. Um, ah, Andre, Andre Rebchik, I can see. I think Yami yeah, said that. I think these social. Almost there, Reese. I'm almost there. It's just that it wasn't allowing me to join. It's not allowing me to join by video. All right. Uh, just click out and go back in. See what happens. Turn it off are and turn it on again. Phone, are you? Or... 
Are you doing it on your phone? Oh, what? Oh, yeah, turn it off, turn it on again. That's the classic, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Always works. Because <laughs> th- yeah. I think the same thing happened to me. So, uh, okay. But I think but I don't know what it is. Both you, Andre, and Bob, Andre Rebchenko are on the same wavelength. He says, um, I think that social gospel has heavily influenced. It's heavily influenced by libertarian li- liberation theology. Oh. <laughs> What what's liberation theology? What's that? Um, I'm not too caught up what? on like um, these movements. I need to maybe research for a bit more. Good evening, Jeff. Good evening. Good evening. Um, actually, no. What we'll do is, if you just want to give us the lowdown as to which direction you're taking, it's just to make sure we're not digging in the wrong direction. Well. The direction is, as you said, we're dealing with the social gospel, yeah? We're dealing with its origins, its influence in today's church. What are the signs? What are the dangers? What's our biblical position to tackling it, really? And it goes back to the um, early 20th century, really, late 19th, about industrialists who wanted to bring about change in society, but they thought that the gospel should have a social kind of um, perspective on things. So they moved away from preaching the gospel to actually good works, doing charitable works and things like that, bringing a change in society rather than uh, preaching repentance. And for people to repent, it was more dealing with the social ills and trying to fix them. It sounds like a good thing, doesn't it? So that's the direction. Yes, it, um, yeah, I guess so we're kind of trading paint. We've got... But it does... It's where the social justice movement springs from. There we go. So yeah. I, it, it's all of that. So don't worry. It's all is tied in, in one, yeah? And it's the same spirit that's operating behind this uh, um, quagmire, if you like, if I can use that word. I guess it's... Um, oh, Dre. Two Dre's. <laughs> um, I guess, like, in and of itself, obviously... If you were to talk to Christians about it, they would say most, most certainly that um, uh, Christians advocating for justice in these arenas are either the right thing to do, which obviously we would generally all agree on, but it's like you said, it's when that becomes the the be all and end all. So you essentially, the way I view it, um, I guess I, I, I use the analogy like the Western members thing, where essentially you're just dealing with the surface level issues. It's not dealing with the heart of the issue um, when it comes to trying to tackle in the, the situation. So, he, like like I was saying, like you got to the point where you know churches were like you could um I can't, I can't, was it david platt i can't remember he started apologizing for for being quote-unquote white and you know he didn't realize all these things were going on it's just like that you, you don't need to apologize for the fact that you you know your heritage you know from the sort of your thing it's in christendom that thing does not come into play it's not sort of it's obviously not because of the revolution and all that 
please apologize because you know i didn't see that this was going into as god you know we want to hear your stories and obviously we talked about um some point last year the fact that um so that body was obviously getting a lot of flack because he's standing against that i guess is what pretty much what he um became prominent for was standing against all this social injustice stuff and the, the blm um things going on and how they were trying to change things and um he kind of had a very good um grounding and understanding of how the movement works and how it operates and the things that um, have been observed over the past 200 years and things like that so obviously like the Afro-Caribbean community don't um, hold it really hold, really hold him in high favour because of the fact that he's been very anti-BLM he understands the destruction of it all and he knows it's incompatible with the, um, with the scripture so he's just like well you know I'd rather please man or please God rather than please man in that sense but if you were to genuinely ask anybody you would probably find that yeah they would say that you know these things are these things are um, worthy of our attention but it's at the expense of doing what the church should be doing because I think I've definitely heard especially when um when the George Floyd thing happened, and then obviously people start talking about, oh, you know, I'm black and this happened to me, and this always happened to such and such, and this has gone, and this has gone on. There was conversations in the background, I was like, oh, we need to start, we need to start talking more about social justice in church, we need to start preaching social justice. It's like, I, I disagree. I disagree, and it's like, if you disagree, it's like, well, if you're not trying to find Help, uh, trying to find the solution to part of the problem. So, no, there's there's a place for that sort of thing, but it's not the the core of what we're doing here. It's not the core. Like obviously, we know that the gospel is the power unto salvation. If you want to change the heart, it will be the the gospel and the Holy Spirit that will change that. And then you might find that once that heart is changed, the very things that you're trying to do, um, trying to come pain against will be much easier because obviously the heart's been changed. But it's a case of just like you know what. We almost think that the gospel doesn't have power and we need to find something else in its place that might be more effective and because everyone's pushing in this direction of let's do this thing which seems to be working because everybody's behind it. Just because you have 4,000 or maybe like 4 million people behind a particular movement doesn't necessarily validate the fact that it's effective or it's true. You just got a whole lot of people chasing something but to what avail so it's like the fact that um everyone was like oh yeah blm 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 black lives matter black lives matter you know we need to do such and such, such but in the background you hear it's like oh yeah well you need to kind of look into the um look into the the core beliefs or the statement of faith that this organization has and when you read through those who knew the buzzwords it's like oh they have a marxist framework for this oh we know we want to Defund the police. We need to upset, uh, upset such and such. We want to give all this power to think we know. We want our children to be um, not to belong to um, the family, they have to belong to the state, which is something that Biden has said in the past week or so, which is quite interesting. But that aside, um, you see all these old um, tenants of this Marxist framework bubbling up, but nobody, um, nobody was taking uh, any sort of care with it. And it's not even um, not shortly after um, the first boxcar of uh, racial injustice went past that you had the, the second one come past where it's like, oh well, 
now that African-American people are being, um, being heard, us who have um, a um, particular sexual lifestyle need to come next, you have to include us in there. And then the next box call will be whatever. And it's just like, well, you know, you made the first one come through, um, come through the blocks. Why not us? We're oppressed too. We're oppressed too. You know, all these things are set up against us. And it's just, that's when people are like, oh, well, actually, yeah, I agree with the first one, but now I'm in an awkward situation with the second one because they also want the, the same thing. And it's like, well, if they want the same thing, who's next? Because I'm hearing now that um, people are trying to advocate that pedophilia should be the next thing that um, gets accepted. It's like, well, where do you draw the line? <laughs> where do you draw the line? So it is a very, very messy, very, very messy thing. And I think it's it's saddening for me because it's like, it's like culturally we've kind of left ourselves open to this because it's it's been something that has been a bond of contention for some time. So this went through like wildfire. It was all the embers were already there for years. But it took this one incident for the entire rainforest to just be set ablaze. And it's just like, well, how do you stop it? If you try to stop it, it's like, no, I don't want you to stop it because we need this. It's like, no, no, there's something greater, something greater behind this we need to put up. Yeah, it's uh, even saying that, I feel like people would be like, oh, well, no, you know, cancel this, cancel this. It's like, no, no, like, who, who's the God we serve? Who is the God we serve? What is he asking us to do? Is it not possible that people had these same sort of issues back then? But what did they do? The, the, um, when, even when you drop the, the scripture in, it's just like, I think you kind of went to the importance of obviously advocating for those who are oppressed and like the, the poor and the widows and things like that. That's part of the gospel. You know, we're the hands of Jesus and we're supposed to, to meet the needs of those people. But that's not what we're there for because pretty much anybody could do that but we have a message behind it where enough meeting those needs it then becomes a platform to share that gospel so do you want to get into some sort of like definitions before we sort of go on because i think maybe it might be good for the audience who are watching to sort of get into that your volume is a bit low andre is it yeah is that a bit better? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was just going to say, um, it might be a good idea to get into some definitions just to help the audience out. Maybe a lot of them know already, but I think also for myself. So for instance, like you, you talked about sort of liberation theology and things like this. Um, and then you also got into like Marxism and stuff like that. Um, my, I, I've got a couple of questions. You may even come across these later on, but for me, it's like, who who's the one that sort of, peddling this um it, you know sort of on like a bigger scale like is there some sort of person who's saying this and it's like being spread across all churches or what's kind of going on with this um oh sorry i was going to say that yes i think there is what we have to recognize yeah when we see something in the physical realm when we see things happening it means that something is happening in the background, yeah, in the invisible, in the spiritual. And that's where the Bible comes in. It teaches us how to recognize those dangers, yeah, that are coming into the church. But you have to be spiritual yourself. You have to have discernment, and you have to have the guidance of the Holy Spirit first and foremost. Now, churches that may be out of sync 
are not hearing from the Spirit and are not in the Word, they're not focused on the Word of God, they can be misled. Because if the agenda uh, is not recognized for what it is, what's the spirit behind the agendas that are coming up, then it's very easy to be swept uh, away by them. And I, the reason why I've asked for this debate, uh, discussion is because I can see some of those dangers creeping in, in the churches that I've seen. And um, so I researched it a little bit further to find out what's going on. Is there, is this contrived? Is this organized? Is, is somebody pushing this agenda? What's going on, yeah? So the, the BLM uh, aspect, Marxism and uh, social justice warriors, uh, that's one element. But there's a wider, a wider thing going on where organizations that are Christian organizations such as American seminaries and universities are being funded by these so-called funders, like the Kern um, Institution of Philadelphia, that are asking, giving them uh, donations. And then they start saying, they start pushing their agenda of the social gospel into the universities, into the seminaries. And that's, you know, how they would spread that particular gospel, yeah, of the social gospel. Um, and the, those are the dangers. Now, closer to home, did you know that Tear Fund is funding some of the, uh, what's this called, the Irish, um, I think, gospel or something going on. Uh, there's a concert, the Irish concert, yeah, or that's, that's recently come on. Um, now, I, I sent out a number of videos. I don't know if you had a chance to look at them, where the guys are looking at how funding is having an effect on the social gospel. That's one. The other one is gospel partnerships. Yeah, We have to be careful with who we partner. Some of these organizations are not necessarily Bible promoting or Bible believing, though they claim to be on the outside. But on the inside, when you start analyzing, do they believe in the gospel? Do they believe in repentance? Do they believe in sin? You will not hear those kind of terms. But you hear terms that are more... Uh, akin to things like social justice and, you know, uh, looking uh, things like um, loving your neighbor, you know, using scriptures from such a, in such a weak way and avoiding the, the preaching of the cross, you know, diagonally opposite, avoiding it completely and somehow twisting the Bible to make it sound like you've been a good Christian. If you... Um, if you follow, for example, uh, some of the, uh, the social agenda, looking after your neighbor, uh, looking at, you know, reaching out to refugees, which is not a problem. I, I think that's a good idea. Uh, but also the environment. The environment, global warming, that we should be responsible for looking after the earth, and therefore global warming is one of the agendas that a, a church should be addressing. Now, you can find this in the Evangelical Alliance. Uh, the Evangelical Alliance, it's an organization here in the UK. And I looked into it, and I looked at their website, and I started chasing behind some of these multicultural uh, um, kind of conferences that they're trying to bring up. And this is the hidden gospel, the hidden social gospel behind these. That will come to the fore eventually, but brought in very subtly. Yeah, so it sounds like to me that this is a lot of kind of 
just stuff that you hear um i mean it's it's sort of prom- uh, promoted in a lot of adverts these days you can kind of mm. see there's a real big sort of push towards veganism and um like you know all, all these kinds of things and if in fact from um so in in the degree that i just did um i was reading a lot of institutions um so for instance consulting companies like uh world economic forum um you know mckinsey uh baines ey pwc all these kind of big big firms and if you look at a lot of the stuff they put in there it's it's they have all these kind of goals that they're sort of recommending towards you know governments right and a lot of them are like reduction in meat um this idea of stakeholder capitalism which is essentially it's it, it's so, supposed to be capitalism but you add in the um you add in the society and the government as stakeholders so it means that when you're sort of doing your business you have to also provide for the society in general um there's a lot of things uh, that are coming in such as like ESG scoring i don't know if you've ever come across this before environmental social and um what is it yeah it's an environmental social global um credit scores basically so each company is starting to be um rated in, in terms of are they investable by whether they have an environmental slant so do they look after the environment in terms of being carbon neutral all this kind of stuff you know um are they socially liberal so as in like are they promoting you know we'll call it a lifestyle because we're on youtube and i don't want to get you banned or anything but lifestyles um uh, and then obviously the global aspect so you know this idea of removing borders because if if you're a stakeholder capitalist your goal is to have as many stakeholders in your invested in your business as possible and the ultimate outworking of that is having every single country invest in your business right so in order to do that it's probably best to have open borders so a lot of these things that i was reading in um these consulting agencies it seems that it's kind of seeping through into um theology um you know sort of protestant circles are so i mean to be honest it's even seeping through into some well lots of catholic circles for sure there there's um we've got the greek orthodox patriarch who you know he's pushing a lot of this stuff as well so it seems like there's a concerted effort but now if you say that there's a shadowy cabal behind it you'll be instantly labeled a conspiracy theorist won't you you'll, they'll be ah oh, you can't say that you can't say that two points are connected even though there's two points and a line in between them, you can't say that it's connected. You're not allowed to notice that. But, you know, there is kind of a, uh, there is, well, it's not kind of, there is an actual effort to push certain agendas that are coming from the business world, but somehow are seeping into every single area in society. And to me, that's what sounds like is happening in in the churches right now. Um, And I would say that with a lot of these things, you know, intelligence agencies that are in the government can be behind this a lot of the time i mean it's no secret that you know certain intelligence agencies have influenced culture in general that's not like a secret i mean you can look at the 60s for instance um the whole hippie thing was considered a you know a, a, an intelligence backed movement <laughs> like the, the 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 actual idea of hippies like the first people who were given drugs were in um you know 
experiments that were conducted by the government. This is, by the way, this is like public information, MKUltra, things like that. Um, so to say that the government is trying to push um, certain agendas, I don't think that's controversial. I think it's not convenient for people maybe to say that, but I don't think it's um, incorrect is what I'm trying to say. So to me, that's what it sounds like I'm hearing. Um, but I mean, what are, what are your thoughts on that? I would say it sounds very similar like the fact that but the thing I just can't get my head around is um what is it that it could be a reflection question. In fact this is like um what is it that the uh churches feel that they're lacking to feel like, oh yeah, this is a very important thing that we need to implement. Is it like is it a relevance thing? Or is it is it a fair thing of oh you know if I don't get on board there's going to be I don't know like sanctions or you know persecution things like that uh, and yeah it'd be, to, it'd be nice to know sounds like a bit of both to be honest I think it, like yeah, it could be many many things you know um, but I think the biggest deception priest is I'm going to share from the Word of God to try and bring this out here if that's okay. Yeah? So our text is taken from Acts 6, verses 1 to 4, yeah? It says, in, and, in, and I'll be reading from the King James. I'll just wait for Reese to get his Bible. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Okay, right. And in those days, when the number of, of disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily uh, food ministration, if you like, yeah, in the ministration. Uh, then the 12 called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it's not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. It is not reason, it's not sensible for us to leave the word of God and to be waiting on tables. So I'm using other translations as well, just to show you, yeah. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually, continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And it goes on to talk about the seven deacons. So look, here's the issue, yeah? Satan, I want to give you both sides, yeah? I'll give you the physical and the spiritual. In the spiritual, there is a battle. Satan doesn't want the church to grow. So what does he do? Well, he threatens. The first and foremost thing was threatening. Do you notice that in the book of Acts? Where the religious authorities started threatening. Threatening the church. Threatening the disciples. That didn't work. It only increased. So he's got a problem. He goes back. What can we try next? So then we have uh, Ananias and Sapphira. He starts to move from outside of the church to infiltrate within. So we have Ananias and Sapphira. So what does this do? This brings in chaos because when God's spirit is at work, when God is at work in a people, you notice in the Old Testament when they went out to battle, there was a chap who stole some uh, stuff and hid it under his tent. And they started to die in the battlefield because of it. It brought a curse on them. They had to systematically pinpoint this guy by going through tribe, family, person. 
And when he got to him, Joshua said, "Come on, son, speak up. If you've done anything wrong, just you know." He goes, "I took away the baby. I took away the garments and some of this, that, and the other. And I hid it, and it's in my tent right now." And you know what the punishment was? The guy and his family and everything he owned they were stoned to death. It was a very, very serious crime. Yeah. So Satan knows that if he can't attack from the outside, he'll try and bring chaos on the inside. That failed because you can see the Spirit of God took charge straight away. Spirit of God moves in, speaks through Peter. These are supposed to be Christians, but they fell dead. Yeah. Now, I can't go into the whole story, but there's a man and a woman who sold a piece of land and kept back some of the price and said that they hadn't done that, that they gave everything. They lied to the Holy Spirit. They got burned in the process, if you like, yeah? They ended up dead. So that was that plan didn't work. So what happens next? If you go a bit further, and in those days it says, when the number of disciples multiplied, now here's the third threat, which is far more insidious and dangerous than the others. And I'll show you why. Their strength was in the Word of God. Their power was through the Holy Spirit. So one way the, uh, Satan wants to remove the influence of the church is to get them away from the Holy Spirit, get them away from the Word of God. So look what's happening. The 12 disciples, he goes for the leadership. There's a practical problem, a social problem. The, the Hebrew widows are being neglected. And that's not a nice thing because Jesus said, we should look after the widows yeah, and the orphans. Now you would think from a human perspective, that's the most important thing. We've got to do that. We can't have our widows suffering, yeah? Some churches have fallen into that trap. And I'm not saying it's not right, but the, here's the trap. Should you do it at the expense of the gospel? Should you put down the preaching of the gospel and start serving tables? Here's the snare that the title of this uh, discussion is. The snare of the social gospel. It's very appealing because look what it says. They, they didn't even pray. They just started... It was just a practical thing. They, they saw the solution. They thought, we're going to have to do this. But of course, it got out of hand. And they went back on their knees and they realized God showed them, don't do this. This is not wise. Can you imagine what would have happened had they left preaching the gospel, didn't give themselves to the ministry of the word, they ended up serving tables. They would have lost the power. They would have become a social movement. And they would not have been preaching the gospel. Now, it is not wrong to look after widows. That's really important, but not at the expense of the word. So look, they are wise enough to recognize it's not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. It's not reasonable for us to leave the gospel and start doing business, administration, that sort of thing. I have seen leaders do that because they feel sorry for the, they feel sorry there are issues in the church. And guess what they've done? They've done it at the expense of the gospel. They were not preaching the messages of the gospel. They didn't invest in the preaching of the gospel. And those churches ended up in chaos. Our church, I would say, is one of, un, under one of these categories. Um, but we will give ourselves continually to the ministry of the word and to prayer. Yeah? How important apostolic ministry was. Here's the second thing. They chose men that you would think would be evangelists to serve in the ministry. There's lots of messages just connected with, with that. Evangelists. And teachers that are serving tables, that's okay. But the direction of the church, you can see how God's Holy Spirit is moving. That trap has been sprung. 
Yeah. But there are churches that are falling to this. They have left their responsibilities of preaching the gospel and have turned to the social gospel, which is what are the needs of our society? What are the problems in our society? Have you noticed even in our local church, we're getting emails and flyers telling us about health? Yeah, it's telling us about social problems. And so my third question is, yeah, if you notice um, in the questions that I sent out, what are the signs that my church has succumbed to the pressures of the social gospel? What are the signs? Well, one of the signs is, when was the last time you heard repentance of sin being preached? When did you last hear the people who are ministers of the gospel actually preach a, a gospel message? Or are they ministering regarding health? Are they more concerned about health and well-being than they are about reaching souls with the gospel? Yeah. So this is my, my uh, if you like, my introduction to why, why I feel oppressed in my spirit, why I feel uh, anxious and troubled that that's what's happening. We are seeing lots of churches, I think, lots of agendas now coming through, but the gospel doesn't seem to be there. Now, not all. Few are holding on. You know, few are holding on. But the general trend of the tide is that governments are getting involved and organizations are pushing churches and they're, they're trying to have more of a say in churches. And sadly, the church hasn't taken a stand. They should be telling them no. This is the church of Jesus Christ. We will do what our Lord has commanded us. We have a commission. You remember uh, Nehemiah? When, the, when he was building the wall, Sanbias and... Um, from the names are Tobias and Sanballat, yeah, came to him and says, "Oh, we want to help you with your with your with your with your building." He said, "No, you're not helping us. This is for us, yeah." Then they said that building is so weak that if a fox went over it, it would just fall to bits. It just crumbled to the ground. They tried to intimidate them, and then they used threatening. They sent threatening letters. That didn't work. Then they wrote to the authorities and told them this guy doesn't have permission for his building this. But of course, Nehemiah had written uh, permission from the king, from Cyrus, wasn't it? Um, not Cyrus, the one before him. Um, Artaxerxes, or Auschwitz, I think it might be in, um, in Iranian. But that's my point. The ones who make a stand in the gospel, the ones who say we want to preach the gospel, they are going to be targeted. Yeah? Mm -hmm. The others, what are they doing? What are they doing? Well, they're, they're giving in, sadly. It looks like they're giving in. I want to be generous. Maybe some are contemplating and praying real hard against it. But it would be nice to hear Christian leaders stand up and say, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is not the way to go. This is not who we are. They should say, it's not reasonable that we should leave the gospel and start doing social activities and social gospel. That's not what Christ called us for. That's not what he made me a minister for. For social work. No, the gospel is superior. You got anything to say on that, Reese? Because um, I've got a little something to say. I'll let you go first. Just the, yeah. Okay. yeah, I'll let you go. 
Yeah. Okay. So a lot of points to go with that. <clears throat> um, I actually, I, th I agree with what you're saying. Um, if you look at um, a commentary from uh, an ancient commentary from about 407 AD, it, uh, it's by john chrysostom he says um there was a daily ministration for the widows and observe how he calls it ministration diakonia which basically means if you think about it teaching and participational together right so yeah fellowship right um and not directly arms so not alms in in that sense um but they it was being neglected so this did not arise from malice but perhaps from the carelessness of the multitude um, and therefore he brought it forward openly, for this was no small evil. Observe how even in the beginning the evils came not only from without, but also from within. Um, for you must not only look for you must not look to this only that is set to rights, but observe that it was a great evil that it existed. So, yeah, uh, it's actually true. Like in terms of that, the evil of of putting um, you know ministration over the uh, uh, over the world uh, over the word it can come very easily by the sounds of it and it's it's yeah as as a uh, chrysostom says it's it doesn't necessarily arise from malice but it can be used because if you think about it if you're not getting the if you're not getting the gospel out you're not doing uh you're not doing things in the right hierarchy remember there's always a hierarchy and it's i'm, I'm going to refer back to something i said earlier when paul always puts apostles prophets teaching you know, ministry, healing, all this kind of stuff. He always has a hierarchy of what goes first, and it's always revelation first. So you must reveal, you know, apocalypse. You must provide an apocalypse to the a masses, right? That's what the gospel is supposed to be, an apocalypse, an unveiling of um, revelation, right? Um, one thing I would say is it seems like when people are going for social things and not for go, relying on the word, they're it's this is going to sound probably very unrelated to um you guys but i can see what's going on here there's a, an implicit denial of the godliness of of the divinity of jesus because by relying solely on the human effort you're denying the divine effort that's going in right so you're you're splitting christ into two you're saying that no there's only a human element to this. That's what the social movement is. You're, you're denying, and, and something that could go with this, maybe it doesn't necessarily go together perfectly, but I, I think of 2 Timothy 3, 5, where it says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people, right? So what these people are doing is they're taking the good parts of, like the things that we can do proactively from the Bible, but they're denying the divine revelation that comes with it. They're splitting Jesus in two, which is not a good thing. That's and that's a form of what we call Nestorianism. They're they're taking the power of the gospel and they're saying no, there's only a human element here and and, and a spiritual element over here, and they don't think that they go together. Whereas if you're a Christian, you know that Jesus was fully human, fully man. So the two go together. You don't have works without divinity. You don't have divinity without the, the works, right? Because Christ is working in you. There's a divine working that's going on in, inside you, right? So that's that's what I would say. It seems like people are rejecting the power of the gospel uh, and trying to solely work in human terms. That's what I would say. Obviously, you think you pretty much got it um, on the nose with that. Because, um... 
I'll bring up like progressive Christianity, for instance, and the fact that that's just it should just all grace here. We accept everything. Um, anything goes, you know, Jesus loves you, you know. He wants you to come as you are. And in brackets, stay as you are. He'll just accept you as that. And you, you see a lot of these guys on um, on things like TikTok um, and other social media platforms that I found quite interesting. It's on the short form social media platforms, where it's literally just you can take in a lot of content in a short amount of time. But in that short amount of content, you're taking, you're like getting drowned in half truths and heresies, which you think is true because it's coming from someone who says they're a Christian. Um, even with that aside, you see how. It's just because we want to affirm everything. We want to. We just want to absorb everything uh, to stay relevant. But then you see the like you said, <laughs> you see on the other side, you see the divinity of it all. Where as people go down this road, the old resources begin to dry out a bit, and you know we seem to get more and more out on the fringe, and eventually they disappear. But um, some of them just don't. They just don't. They they stay prominent, and it then begins to affect the and those who will be in the core. Um, this is, yeah, it's like it, I guess it's, it's one of those things now, it's just a case of like, if, how would you know that um, this sort of thing is going on in your church? Um, uh, I guess one of the things for me was like, you, you kind of said it, you just like, oh, you know, kind of straight up from the gospel, but it's just a case of, can you then begin to? Um, don't use the word unpack. Uh, uh, find a way to dig a little deeper and find out whether that's a long-standing problem, where it's just like, yeah, we preach it because we all oh, like we we accept like the fundamental things, but ultimately we don't think um, uh, it's relevant. And then you see where I can't explain that at the start where. Just like with George Floyd, that came up, and there were actual conversations with people saying, "We need to preach social justice more." Mm. Particularly, particularly, would it, would you say, Rhys, that it was particularly the young people that were motivated to take action? You know, to just have a say that you know. Um, I... Was it all sorts? I, I'm just curious, out of um, you know, uh, interest. I would say, from my observation. And to be fair, I, I don't think we can get that's very good. Um, it's it, it was in terms of like those who were making a physical um, physical presence about it. It was the majority young people, but in terms of like the the foundation or like the ground in which the worldview had been built, that stems from their parents or their grandparents and um, like I said earlier you would not have known but you might have known in like certain conversations that this sort of like framework was there but you like the, the torch was lit when um, things like George Floyd came about that's when it's just kissed oh I didn't realize that um, until now that it was it was this deep or it was this toxic and you know we're kind of getting lost in conversations and 
people are saying, oh, you know, we need to start funding it around and do stuff like this and stuff like this, because we're not getting such and such. It's just like, ooh, okay. Um, this, seems, this seems a little alien, because it it's not dealing with the situation, it's dealing with the surface levels, but then it's when you come to the fact that you learn about cultural Marxism, it's just like, oh, right. So it feels almost as if like the, the foundation was there for a while, like they put the cedar in the ground and that situation in it was it would be twenty twenty now, wouldn't it? Wouldn't twenty nineteen, twenty twenty. That the um the climate was right for that to germinate. And everything just fell apart from the CAC things going on in the US and you see all the but it's just the fact that that, was, that has been there for quite some time. Definitely has been there for quite some time. Because I guess you know, specifically with the BLM stuff, you can certainly say that obviously my grandparents um like moving here they would have had difficulties and then certainly people in um Australia circles would have had difficulties you hear about that so you know they that was one of the things that kind of brought them together as christians the fact that there was all this adversity outside that was pushing them together and they managed to you know put things together build churches amongst themselves and all those sorts of things but in that um there was great achievements yes but there was also scars which then left um, precipice to then be able to have these sorts of worldviews and ideologies creeping and settling as, and when the time was right for it to then be like okay you feel this way this scar you know we struck this scar so now we want to talk about this so it's say like you might have a, uh, a preacher that you know has to talk about a particular subject but then they have to bring something in related to something they're passionate about so it's, oh, you know, um, you know, oh, um, says people need to do such and such. This is going on with us. It's like, okay, but how is this related to the sermon that you're you're preaching? How is that relevant? It's got nothing to do with it, and you might feel that it's like it's a consistent thing. But then, obviously, when this incident happened, that that happened like a lot. It. So it's just like, okay, you've you've left yourself open to that, and guess what? If you've got this world doing you. What are the chances that those in your family and in your inner circle and extended circle also have the same view? So, in the coming out of the other side, I've now can see it's just like it's very, very easy to to stray away. To stray away is it a case where it's like people just fundamentally don't understand the gospel. Um, one of the things that was an illustration that came into my head was it last year was that. Um, is it possible that we see the cross as mainly just a way to get through the door and then we leave it behind us because it's a landmark and we just continue the rest of it with ourselves rather than taking the cross with us as we go along? Is, is that one thing? It's just a case of the gospel was just something that you accepted several years ago and you've just done the rest by yourself and then it's very much focused on yourself and the other things and go along or um, when these things happen and you need to cross, you haven't got it, so then you then go, oh, you know, I need to find something that seems to work. Well, the world seems to be doing the very same thing I want to be joining in on. So jumping on that, it seems like in this very rare instance, we can now link arms with those who seem to have the same view as us. But then you stay with them for a little bit. It's like, oh, I didn't notice that you, you know, not only did you not have my best intentions in mind, but now you're using me as fuel to push your own agenda. I don't want to Jump on this. So, well, it's a good yeah, point. Jump on the train. It's a good point. 
There's something yeah. Reese, oh, you, sorry, Andre. Um, there was something you just reminded me. Um, that, I mean, I'm also conscious that we have people contributing, uh, contributing, yeah, um, and they may have comments to make that are coming through. So I don't want them to feel like we're taking over and not giving them a chance for their views to be heard. Uh, I think now Dre is. I don't know who that is. Who's Dre? Um, but he's made a number of comments and. Uh, he says, uh, he, he said he talked about being on YouTube. I think he said, I commented on YouTube. I think social gospel has been heavily influenced by liberation theology and has its roots in Marxism. Uh, yes. Uh, sorry, I saw your message. You you asked about liberation theology. I'm in I'm uh, in a nutshell. It's uh, a twisted view on the human condition and the idea of redemption flowing out of it. The idea of sin is being substituted by injustice or oppression. Instead of Genesis, the use of the Exodus reference to define sin. And if sin is oppression, then the redemption is overcoming oppression. Liberation theology can take many shapes and forms depending on the oppressed group, which could be black, Latino, gay, etc. Um, so I think those are some very, very interesting points that have come through from Dre. Uh, appreciate your, your thoughts there. Um, what I was thinking was, let's, let's have a look at this social angle with Jesus. I'm noticing something lately now, um, Andre and uh, Rhys, that you can solve any biblical problem by, by focusing on Jesus. You know, how does the Bible relate to today? Uh, even if you have scriptures in the Bible that don't make sense to you, you can solve it by actually seeing Jesus what, because everything in here points to him, yeah? Now, did you know that there was a social movement looking for a king to overthrow the Romans? And many times there was an undergrowth of this and Jesus could see it. And on one, one incident uh, where he was about to, they were forcibly going to make him king, he withdrew himself into a mountain to pray or into the wilderness or into the desert. If we follow social agendas, they're looking for figureheads. Don't fall into that trap. We are not figureheads. We are servants of our Lord Jesus Christ. We've been commissioned. You know when the apostles were sent out? He said to them, salute no man on the way. Don't you think that's a very strange thing? And when they were going backwards and forwards, he says they were going out so much that they had not even any time for leisure. They, were go they weren't just going out, they were coming back in the evenings, going out, coming back, going out, yeah? They were so busy that Jesus said to them, come apart into a desert place and rest a while, yeah? 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 I hope you've enjoyed this conversation so far. Again, I apologize for the technical oversight on my side um, I would like to say that it gets better for part 2 but it doesn't but um, I hope you can join us for the next episode because this does ring very close to home and I think everyone has something they can share on this and um, there's a lot to carry away as we walk through the second section of this also um, so until next week, take care and God bless